0: Hi, my name is Nathan Hinkle and I'm the lead pastor at White Oak and I want to thank you for joining us today as we head into week three of our series in the New Testament book of Acts. Now, I want to tell you what we know from where we've been and what we've read so far. Luke is the author of this book. Now he didn't know Jesus personally, but he spent a lot of time with Jesus' disciples. You know, the guys who were eyewitnesses to the events of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And from that, he puts together a historical record. Now halfway through the book of Acts, you'll see Luke switch from the third person voice of they to the first person voice of we, as he personally accompanies Paul on some missionary journeys. Acts is a historical account, not only of the birth of the early church, but also an account of the first people, empowered by their experiences with Jesus and also by the Holy Spirit to take the message of Jesus out. So Luke begins by reiterating Jesus' assignment to his followers that they are to take that message of love and grace to all places here, near, and far. In the second chapter of Acts, we see the beginning of the community of Jesus' followers beginning to gather together, making impacts both in their, their own lives and in their neighborhoods and communities. And this spark in Jerusalem began to be fanned into a flame. The good news of Jesus was just starting to now be put into motion. In the second chapter we see the beginning of the community, community of Jesus followers. They're they're gathering together and they're impacting um, their communities and their neighborhoods. The spark in Jerusalem was beginning to be fanned into a flame. The good news about Jesus, it was gaining momentum and the church is now in motion. So as we take this journey through the book of Acts, we will continue to invite you to join us in in a couple of different ways. Number one is just keep participating. Listen online or join us in person each week. Also read, follow the Acts reading plan we have on our website and engage in the content. And here's another one. Now that we're a few weeks in, I invite you to expand your circle of impact. Your life and faith should be put into motion where what you learn from Jesus is shared with others in words and through your actions. This is how movements begin. Now, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he was the son of a Baptist minister and himself answered the call into ministry a little later in life. In 1955, he ignited a spark in the Civil Rights Movement and that spark came from an ember which had been burning for 2,000 years. Jesus, he elevated the poor of women, people from every social class and background, those society had labeled as inferior. Jesus raised them up to the level of worthy, accepted, and loved sons and daughters of God. So Reverend King would go on to be the key leader in a movement which gathered momentum as a peaceful protest to the treatment of African Americans in this country. One of the pivotal moments of that movement was the March on Washington where an estimated 250,000 people from all backgrounds gathered in solidarity for the cause of equality and love. It's a fight which continues today. But that's how movements begin, with a spark, with people gathering together and being set into motion, facing difficulties along the way, making impact which lasts. So this is our big idea for today. And I want you to write this down. God can use even the worst day to bring about the best day. God can use even the worst day to bring about the best day. Like like many of you, our family had to cancel some bigger family gatherings for Christmas Day this year. We had some older relatives and we just wanted to make sure we protected them the best we could. So that same day on Christmas Day... My wife and I came down with COVID symptoms. And it turned out, we and, and our three kids, we all had it. And so we were in our house for two or three weeks. Everyone quarantined together. There was no fun. There was no eating out. There was no getting together with other people. No going and seeing movies. No tasting any good food. It was miserable. It was boring. And it was, it was sad. It was just a series really bad days. And I know that you've had those too. In fact, we all have. So we're going to pick up this story in Acts, and that the year is about 35 AD, give or take a year or two. And those who had followed Jesus are categorized mainly as a tiny, insignificant sect of Judaism. By this time, Jesus had been executed. But now, just weeks later, Hundreds of Jesus' disciples and followers who were once scattered all over Jerusalem for fear of persecution by the Jewish authorities, they now claim they've seen Jesus alive again. Now, not only that, but these same people also claim that they've walked with Jesus. They've had conversations with him. They've even sat down and eaten meals with him. They say that they've even witnessed him ascend into heaven right before their very eyes. See, Jesus' disciples have now received the power of the Holy Spirit from God. And these once impulsive, fearful, confused bunch of men begin to boldly spread the fame and the hope of Jesus all over the city of Jerusalem. The spark was beginning to turn into a flame. Now, as a result, Luke chronicles this for us in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. It says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals together with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So it is at these, these Jesus followers, they begin to share the power and the love of God all over the city, proving that Jesus is in fact the Savior and Messiah who, who has come to take away the penalty for sin and death the way in which this community of people began to love and to care for each other and for their neighbors and the way in which they would speak about the the life chains that Jesus had made in their own lives, this was beginning to cause an uproar in the city of Jerusalem just weeks after Jesus had ascended into heaven promising to return. In one one particular instance, when Peter and John are headed to the temple for an afternoon prayer service, I want you to see what Luke tells us happens next in Acts chapter 3. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Now, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Now, I want to tell you something, all right? What happens next is is astonishing because Peter bends down and he looks this man in the eyes. And he tells him that he doesn't have uh, any money to give to this guy, right? But he tells him that he has something even better, So he takes the man by the hands and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And you wouldn't believe it, he does. So the man runs and jumps and he's leaping into the temple following Peter and John in. Now, as you can imagine, the hundreds of people gathered there recognize this man as the same guy that they've been seeing begging for money outside the temple gate every day for 40 years, and he's been healed. So Peter notices this opportunity. There's this crowd gathering, and he has the chance to give witness to the power of Jesus. And he begins to teach the crowd, pointing out their sin, pointing out Jesus's great love and their opportunity for a life-saving relationship with God through him. Now, I don't know about you, But I think we daily, you and I, miss out on opportunities where we could point out to other people the greatness of our Heavenly Father. So, for example, when when others around us are complaining and being negative, we miss opportunities to point out the ways in which God has provided good. Instead, all too often, we join in or we just sit there silently. When when gossip is tearing down another person, we often miss opportunities to steer the conversation, lead it away from being about others, and instead pointing out how God has rescued, rescued you from your own imperfect qualities and your own mistakes. Where we could speak and inject grace, we often join into the gossip or we say nothing at all. Sometimes when our kids are are filling their minds and their calendars with all kinds of media and and, and busyness, we miss opportunities to speak to them about their, their firm identity and their worth found in their Heavenly Father who loves them. And instead, we ignore the way that they fill their time or worse, we champion for it. When people around us are hurting, Sometimes we miss the opportunities to point them to the hope of Jesus. And instead, we send them good thoughts, whatever that means. And when we should be praying for them to experience God's peace and God's best. And we tell them, well, if you need anything, let me know when we should be saying, I'm stopping by Thursday to drop off dinner for you and your family. I'll leave it on the front porch if I have to. So get this. As, as the disciples of Jesus are sharing about Jesus, guess what happens? It's an amazing part of the story. People are convinced. And, and not just, just like handfuls of people are now aligning themselves to this once backwater, small Jewish sect, this, this insignificant movement. No, 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 no. God is drawing thousands of people to himself Men and women, the educated and uneducated, the rich, the poor, the, the outcasts, the Jews and the non Jews. The movement has started this cross cultural, life changing firestorm in the city of Jerusalem. But there are consequences. See, what happens in Acts chapter 3 begins to have this precipitating, like, snowball effect through the next several chapters. You see, the Jewish religious leaders, they they hear this message concerning Jesus as a threat. It's a threat to their power structure and to their religious tradition. So they arrest Peter and John, and they beat them severely, and they order them to never speak or teach about the name of Jesus ever again. But the truth is, it's too late. Like this movement is beginning to do what movements are supposed to do. The Jesus movement is moving. Now, I want you to remember our big idea. I'm sure that you wrote it down, right? God can use even the worst day to bring about the best day. God can use even the worst day to bring about the best day. Now, we've all had days or seasons where we feel like a weight is on us, and like things couldn't get much worse. Like maybe for you, it's a boss or it's a coworker, and it seems like they're out to make you miserable. Maybe it's something that's going on at home, like, and things in your relationships at home just aren't good. Maybe it's a, it's a relationship. You put a lot of hope in it, and it didn't work out. Maybe it's anxiety or, or grief, and it's keeping you stuck in a really dark place. Maybe it's a secret sin and it's eating you up inside. Maybe COVID has changed your world or your health or your habits and where you are now is not really where you want to be. Well, it didn't take long before the church and the followers of Jesus began to see some really, really bad days. Like in in chapter 4, Luke tells us that some of the disciples are again arrested by the religious authorities. And once again, they're imprisoned and then commanded to stop spreading the news about Jesus because Jerusalem was getting stirred up and the religious leaders wanted to stop it. So again, in chapter seven, Luke shares with us what happens to a believer named Stephen. Now, let me tell you a little bit about him. Stephen is teaching about Jesus when some religious authorities who were debating with him lie and claim that Stephen is is speaking blasphemy against God. He's speaking against God and the Jewish religious heritage. He wasn't. It was a lie. He was being set up. So Stephen is arrested and he's brought before the, the ruling council to be questioned Now, you can read what Stephen says and all that happens in Acts chapter six, and I encourage you to do it. It's very powerful. So Stephen points out all the places in Israel's history where God was faithful to their ancestors and where God was constantly loving and forgiving and and pointing to the future Messiah who would come, who has now come. He then points out all of the examples as to how the leaders of those times persecuted the prophets. The prophets who who spoke truth about who God was and warned God's people to remain faithful to him. Then Stephen ends his passionate speech by pointing to Jesus as the Messiah who came from God, who is God, to rescue the Jewish people from their sin. Well, that didn't go over very well, and that was it. The council had heard enough, and I want you to look what happens next in Acts chapter 7, verse 54. The Jewish religious leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage, verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk a lot more about who this guy Saul is. And so you need to stay tuned because we're going to unpack this character in just a little bit. But look at verse 59. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Now, as far as we know, Stephen's the first Jesus follower to die because of his faith in Jesus. Now, this is a really bad day. It's a horrible day for the church in Jerusalem. And it's about to get a whole lot worse. A great wave of persecution began that day sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison." That's Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. God can use even the worst day to bring about the best day. And we say, how could persecution and the murder and the arrest of Christians possibly bring about better days? Now, how could that be? And now, I want to tell you something. As we speak, We have missionary partners that are doing ministry in the name of Jesus in India and Africa in places like Myanmar and Southeast Asia who are currently facing persecution by their governments or other extremist groups because of their faith in Jesus. So let's not keep our heads in the sand on this one Because this exists, this level of persecution exists all around the world. And because of of your giving witness to the power of Jesus in your life, I'm going to tell you something. You may not get invited to the next party. You may miss out on opportunities to to make more money. Maybe you'll, you'll get more opportunities to give away your time and wealth. Because of your giving witness to the power of Jesus in your, in your life, you, you may get mocked. You may get snubbed by friends. You'll be misunderstood. Your life will look differently than those around you, and, and it should look differently from those around you. I mean, listen, why do you think people were attracted to the early church? It wasn't because. The Jesus followers believed certain things about Jesus, but then worked really hard to blend into their culture, to fit right in with what everyone else was doing, to do the things everyone else was doing, to to talk and and treat others like everyone else talked about other people and and treated them, to spend their time and their money on all the things everyone else spent their time and money on. No, no. No, the, the, the Christians in the first century, they were dramatically different from their culture. And people saw it and they wanted in. They wanted to be part of it. But take careful note of this fact. When you live like Jesus lived, there will be those who oppose you. And Jesus said it, and, and and the disciple Matthew records it for us in, in his narrative of Jesus' life, which is also found in, in the New Testament of our Bibles. And, and here it is, it says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. So people will not accept your message of grace always. They just won't believe it. Some people will not want to hear about forgiveness or love for their enemies. Some people will not accept Jesus' best version of their marriages or sex or the handling of their finances. See, full life that Jesus promises to give us doesn't mean an easy life, but it does promise the best life. Now, I don't want us to forget Luke's recording of this assignment that Jesus gave to his disciples all the way back in Acts chapter 1. This is what he said. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So guess how far the message of Jesus went by the time we get to Acts chapter seven. The disciples and believers were still in Jerusalem and frankly, they stayed there. Now here's the crazy thing. The movements had moved a little bit and then it stopped. It, it, It sort of stalled out. Jesus told them to go everywhere and instead they took a couple of small steps forward. But here's the thing, church, White Oak, listen, movements were created to move. Like, that's what they do. And some of us are stuck. We're we're stuck in our relationship with God. We're stuck in our impact that we have on other people. For some, COVID has been an excuse to remain connected to the movement, but to not actually be moving with it. Now the disciples went, but they stopped short of seeing through Jesus' vision of full and abundant life that he had for everyone. They kind of had a good thing going to Jerusalem. It was comfortable and lots of people's life were being changed, so they sort of just chilled there for a while. So what got them moving? Well, a really bad day lit a fire under them, and it pushed them out beyond Jerusalem. See, a great wave of persecution began that day sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Acts chapter 8, okay, and then this is what it says in verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. That's interesting. They finally got outside of Jerusalem. They finally got out to Judea and the surrounding areas of Samaria because they were running for their lives. God can use even the worst day to bring about the best day. Now, when my family uh, was quarantined over Christmas and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and the days after that, we couldn't imagine that we actually had some fun time. We watched a ton of movies together. Um, we were laughed all the time about not being able to taste any of what I'm sure were the really good meals that our friends brought over for us. We did puzzles together. Um, so we, had, we had a lot of fun. We even made a plan to take a much better vacation this spring because of everything we felt we missed out on on the Christmas holiday. And, and that's just an example, and that's nothing compared to what God wants to accomplish through us. If you're uncomfortable, God wants your attention, and he wants to move you to, to new and, and deeper places with him. God wants to walk your pain with you. And whether the source of your pain is because you did the right thing or because someone else did the wrong thing or or you messed up or simply because we live in a, a broken world ravaged by sin. Somehow, pain gets our attention. And God does not cause hurt in your life, but God will use your current situations to teach you something about His love, His forgiveness, His provision, trustworthiness, power and his better version of life than the one we're currently chasing. We can allow our pain to keep us stalled in one place, or we can allow God to have it fuel us. So where others see darkness in their lives, maybe you're the one who knows the one who gives us light. Where others see abandonment, you know the comfort of a really good heavenly dad. Where others fear, have fear and disappointment, like you know peace and hope. Where others become consumed with themselves, you have seen the power which comes from selflessness, generosity, and serving others. Where other people want to give up, you have seen the better version of life which comes from trust and waiting on God. And where others struggle with purpose or worth or identity, you know that we are sons and daughters of a good Father in heaven. And as God walks that path with you, You have a story to tell others. And God wants Cincinnati and and Coleraine and Ross and Hamilton, your, your neighbors and your friends, He wants them so desperately to know the power of His saving grace that He will even use your bad days to fan the flame of impact in the lives of others. So think about this this week. Expand your circle of impact. Expand your circle of impact. Share one experience you've had with hurt and how Jesus is showing up in it. Even if this message today is the first time you've ever heard of his love for you, share that with someone. And know this, White Oak, we don't ever have to move forward alone. We move together and we have each other's backs because God can use even the worst day to bring about the best days in your relationships, in our city and around the world.